Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting and with FanRag Sports. And I'm back. Man, I was out one day, Monday, and uh, you know I had some things going on that uh, take up my time, and I couldn't you know record with Kyle. And I get called out on Twitter, Brad Maddox. WWE calls me out for not being on the show, and uh, well, damn it, here I am, Kyle. Thanks for for carrying the weight. I guess everyone forgot that uh, you missed a day recently, uh, but it's good to be back for you after a, a short absence. Hey, listen, I was at the combine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't off in the Bahamas, kicking my feet up, having a Nashville. Okay, Nashville, enjoying some uh, some country music, probably. Knowing you, uh, enjoying a draft beer, something crazy like that, okay? So th- this is apples to oranges comparison here. I'm not buying it. Here's the truth. Let me, let me go. Let's get the cat out of the bag. Why couldn't Joe be on Monday's show? And here's the reality. I had a fantasy baseball draft. It was a five-hour auction draft. I've never been part of an auction before. And uh, this thing took forever. And, and Kyle, Kyle had to... Uh, had to pull the weight. He did a nice job, put out his uh, top 10 and dabbled with some other stuff. So I, I, I noticed that you happened to save that for a day that I wasn't on the show to kind of rebuttal and challenge you. So uh, I, I see what you did there. Joe, if anything, you should just be pleased on how high Buda Baker is <laughs> on the board this year. I I did notice. I mean, on, on film alone, he's the second-best safety. There's no question. Um, I thought that – well, he did. He checked in a little heavier than than I thought he would, which was good. He had good athletic ability. So I guess the uh, the PSAR was kind to him. Uh, the PSAR was – it was above average, but only slightly. Uh, his his mm-hmm. rating was uh, comparable to that in which Jamal Adams had. 
as far as you know size relation. Uh, names like Josh Jones and John Johnson, uh, Delano Hill, um, Monte Nicholson, Jabril Peppers, all these guys tested better. Marcus Williams, uh, all of those guys, obviously Obi Melifonwu, um, tested better with their actual size to athleticism and power output, but uh, it was a serviceable score, and he, he was a productive player in college, which really helped him out. Uh, above average production. He had uh, a really strong experience score. Uh, three-time captain, started 40 games, uh, played in 41. So he's he's a three-year full-time starter. And as you said, checked in a little bigger than what we anticipated, which really helped him, even though he had, he had an arm penalty uh, induced on his size portion just because of how short his arms were. Uh, but that film score, whew, 8-4-6. Uh, so that is clearly safety two, um, right behind Jamal Adams. Um, he actually finished within five hundredths of a point of Jamal Adams for safety one. And uh, Eddie Jackson and Malik Hooker are the next tier down outside of those two. So Buddha had himself a really, really nice off-season circuit to pair with his really strong film. So I think that conversation right there was a nice setting for what this show is going to be and kyle this is your your baby your, your show concept so why don't you uh, introduce ah, the topic and we get rolling you're here. gonna let me do it again huh yeah, Thanks, yeah twice man. in a row yeah well seniority rules so uh, well, it's about time you had a show idea kyle you know really. whoa whoa it's <laughs> like two in the past three shows man i know you're uh, so, on a roll, man. Just, so just think of joe and i and yourself wherever you are whether you're at the gym in the car at work putting off your work at home, whatever. Uh, we're all standing around the water cooler, okay? Today is uh, the halfway point of March. It's Wednesday, March 15th, and we're standing around the water cooler just catching up. It's water cooler Wednesday. So talking about you know what's going on in my life, what's going on in Joe's life, uh, where we're at with our draft work, uh, we'll try and keep the personal questions off. You know, we'll we'll do that off the air so you guys don't get bored with that. So we'll keep we'll stick to football, stick to sports, as they say on Twitter. We'll try and stick to sports, but uh, just kind of get caught up. You know, having a casual conversation. We're going to try not to let ourselves be dominated by one overhanging topic. A uh, lot of work going on right now. I'm trying to catch up with pro days. I'm trying to get caught up with publishing on the reports that I've already written. I've written 251 reports already and trying to go back and retroactively add the combine and size results from those players into the reports I've already written while still trying to get this last 49 film assessment done. So I got a lot going on, Joe, but uh, why don't you tell myself and everybody standing around the water cooler what the heck you've been up to besides gallivanting around Nashville? <laughs> first things first, I'm not in Nashville. I'm here in Charlotte. Second thing, second, Kyle, you missed a golden opportunity right there to say the Ides of March. I don't care. It, to, I don't care about the Ides of March. It was, it's March fifteenth. You're like right here in the middle of March, and you could have said the Ides of March. That's so fine. I thought that, we we missed National Pie Day. Yeah, I I sent a uh, a happy 
happy National Pie Day text to somebody over the over the course of uh, yesterday's Pie Day. I did. Uh, so what's up in my world, man? I I just uh, I'm pretty much just married to film scouting reports, trying to fulfill my writing assignments with fan ragging. And, and squeeze in an hour uh, every here and there to uh, to record with you, man. So it's it's um, it's been a a nothing but football. My girlfriend yelled at me today um, that um, what you know, asking me when our relationship was going to be normal again, and I, I told her on April 9th. <laughs> no, listen, you, you tell her she can't have you. You, uh, you stuck tell with me. Kyle tells her that for me. <laughs> We, we we get the Skype fired up to record these uh these these episodes and Kyle's like uh, Lorraine you know it's, it's it's my time and he he does he's done it several times and uh, so you know I just know, I you just know, know what? what I need I know what I need <laughs> hat tip to our ladies man we'll have to get them on here sometime and oh jeez uh, I can only imagine what a show like that would be like could it could be good it could take some some weird twists but uh, we'll put that on the we'll put that on the reserves if we ever get in a pinch and, and neither one of us can record we'll have that audio on file and can go yeah. from there yeah uh, so joe i'm i'm almost done i have four offensive guards left to do and that is it for offensive player assessments uh, i'm interested to hear your opinions uh, just because I've been getting into the deeper parts of the interior offensive line group. I'm, I'm done centers. We kind of cut back on our centers when we were going through our watch list, uh, kind of reviewing combine testing. It's like, okay, who are guys that weren't on our radar that tested really well that we have to get on here? And we had a couple defensive backs, so the first position we came to was center, and, and we kind of agreed this is a really sorry center class. Uh, Orlowski and Pokic, I think, are the only two uh, – potential starters out of the group in my opinion so we cut we cut them down a little bit and we added some other positions but uh, by and large are there any names because I have one that I did today uh, that I really like as far as somebody who's not being actively talked about as an interior offensive lineman in the middle rounds has a pretty good ceiling do you have a, a thumb on anybody that you think I might be talking about uh, that's tough um, I, I... I, I, I don't want to I don't want to guess wrong here, but uh, I'll, I'll just it's boring to not guess. So I'm going to go out and say that you have a low key affinity for Sean Harlow out of Oregon State. Yeah, I haven't done him yet, so you might be right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the guy I'm talking about is uh, Ben Braden from Michigan, and he bounced inside, outside, offensive guard, offensive tackle at Michigan. Um, but he weighed in with the All-Star Circuit at 335. So he's got great size, and he moves really well for 335. Now, technically, his hands are a mess. He's really got to work on his hand placement, his hand shoot. He carries his hands too low and too wide. He's got to pick that up so that stab, that initial stun punch, can be clean, concise, and he can win at first contact uh, with more certainty and more confidence. But uh, the movement skills for somebody that's that's uh, walking around over 330, uh, he tested really well, too. He ran just over five seconds flat on his 40-yard dash. Uh, impressive athleticism for him. Now, his change of direction stuff, uh, his short shuttle was notably bad, 4-9 flat. Um, but across the board, he, you know, he's an above-average athlete, and he showed very well in uh, the vertical jump was average, the broad jump was average, the bench press was average, uh, the the three-cone was average, and then he had a really nice linear 
uh, 40-yard dash. So all those things combined with that weight, uh, just another marriage of somebody who I really liked what I saw on film within context as a middle-round guy that has a really high ceiling in comparison to a lot of these other interior offensive linemen, say, like uh, Danny Sidora, Damian Mama, Jordan Morgan, Adam Pankey, um, J.J. Dealman, uh, Jessamyn Dunker, all those guys. I at least see starting upside with Ben Braden, and I really liked what I saw from him today. You know, Braden's not a guy that I've I've seen yet, so I don't have a whole lot to to add to that conversation. But there's a guy that I know that we've both done uh, an assessment on, and he came up in a question that we were mutually asked on Twitter, and that's Houston linebacker Tyus Bowser. Ah, yeah, I, I I just finished him up, and I think I think we're seeing very similar things. Um, but I, I think his year one projection is is pretty. Mm, moderate but what i think he can be in year two is pretty special when i watch him on tape obviously the size and athletic combination is beautiful uh and translates uh to from time speed to what you see on tape it was interesting i he's one of the guys that i i saw the combine first before i got a chance to watch his tape so sometimes that adds a lot of context to what you're seeing i love his physicality i love his motor i mean this guy's a dog on the football field the way that he attacks uh, attacks the football, can close down distances in a hurry. I like his ability to cover. Like I think he can mirror and match tight ends for sure and man coverage. I think he has the movement skills to carry a running back into space, so I like that. Um, I think he's a great finisher, obviously the mobility. But like the one thing that I get concerned about with him, and, well, you know, let me say one more thing about his positives. Obviously this dude can rush the passer. So I think he projects best as like a 4-3 Sam, but he can he can rush he can cover and rush. Like, he's got a ton of athleticism, a lot of explosion, really nice hand t- technique, and he can bend and carry speed through tight corners. So I like what he can offer as a situational rusher what, you know, if you don't want to drop him. But like when I get concerned a little bit w- with Bowser is I think he's a little bit raw in his processing. I'm not sure that he's he sees it clean and reacts clean every time. But most importantly, like I don't necessarily love the way that he deals with angular blocks. So... I think when he's pursuing laterally, I think he doesn't have great spatial awareness. And when he kind of gets sealed, it doesn't take much for him to just stop. And I want to see him, you know, either undercut, scrape, or play through that block a little bit better. And I think once the processing's a little bit better, he's going to to do that because I like, you know, his play demeanor, the way that he attacks. Uh, it's just, you know, when that resistance comes. He, you know, I want to see him do more to work over top of those blocks. So that's why I think his year one projection is not all that great. But in year two, I think we got a, a really nice starter. What are you seeing on Bowser? I know you said he's top 32 for you. I'm not sure he's going to be there for me, but I, I like him a lot. Yeah, see, that's where I get torn with somebody like him uh, is I want to see him in as much pass coverage reps as I can. Because he, he's number 26 overall right now on the board. Uh, obviously, we, we have some upward mobility from some guys that haven't tested. Uh, Ryan Ramschek's probably going to pass him. Uh, Chris Wormley's probably going to challenge him. Uh, but that's about it. So he, he's 26, 27, 28, right there in that late first round range as far as over overall uh, players when you're listing from 1 to 0. But... Um, I want to see him in pass coverage because his transitional quickness and his ability to carry routes through his zones uh, are both very strong. 
but I also want to see him in space because that's where he's best. Because as you mentioned, those rushing the passer opportunities, those opportunities where you're impacted laterally and you get pushed off your spot and you get ridden out of the play. Uh, like He's a best of both worlds kind of guy. And, uh, and, and worst of both worlds kind of guy as far as his ability to play through contact. And then if you try and use him as a pure pass rusher, He's more of a space guy. He's more wide-angle success is where he finds uh, his successful rushes as compared to. Now, he can turn the corner and work hips around guys, but he doesn't have a lot of counters. So if you're, you're, you're able to get square hands on him, it will give him some problems. But I want to segue this into somebody that you know we have not talked about on the show for a long, long time, uh, probably going back to uh, before we were draft dudes and before uh, we were even into the bowl season to talk about a guy, we're talking about off-ball linebackers and guys that play well in space. Joe, I want to talk to you about Tanner Vallejo from Boise State. <laughs> you knew this was coming. because oh, I, well, yeah. I've, I've been talking up Tanner for a long time now. Uh, we did him as one of our, I believe we did 88 player assessments in the summer and really fell in love with what I saw as far as a space guy, coverage linebacker, uh, had to work on coming to balance with his tackles, but his his speed in the open field and coverage ability is, are, are both huge pluses. Reminds me of Kiko Alonso coming out of Oregon. And uh, he played almost this entire season with a, a broken wrist, uh, played with a cast, had to come back in and out of the game, hopping over to the sideline for them to pop his wrist back into place. And they finally called it a season with like three games left in the year. He's like, you know what, I can't do it anymore. Uh, so he's a tough son of a gun. And he can move, Joe. So talk about coverage linebackers. Vallejo, I heard you got a chance to do him recently. Yeah, man. And uh, so one one thing that's maybe different about the way that you and I attack our, our watch list, uh, I am very much, I want to watch different positions all the time. Uh, well, I was a little behind on off-ball linebackers, so I, I needed to kind of have a, a, a run on those uh, so that uh, I could, you know, get my, my list down there. I had, had a bunch to watch. So I, I was... I just finished this gamut of Ben Boulware, Keith Kelsey, and uh, the oh, Arkansas so you're, kid. You're putting Brooks. a disclaimer on it already? No, 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 no. I'm not putting the disclaimer. because I sounds like, like it. I, so I finished those three guys, and I had mix-ins. I never would do sequential. I would never do two linebackers in a row. So it was in the same day. I had like seven evals to do that day. So it was linebacker, something else, linebacker, something else, linebacker, something else. So I get to my fourth linebacker for the day. It is Tanner Vallejo. And, oh, man, that was a cool drink of water to see a guy that actually <laughs> had some movement skills. Uh, man, this guy's a dog, right? I said that about Tyus Bowser, but maybe even more so with Vallejo. Um, I, I didn't like him as much as you did over the summer, and that's fine. Uh, we, we both had a few of those where, where I was more Pat Elfline, you were not as much. This is your guy, right? This is your, your, uh, the one that you can stand on that hill. And, and I said, you know, this guy really struggles to break down and tackle, and it wasn't because he didn't like physicality. It's just like he wasn't arriving clean, squaring up, and bringing guys down. Well, watch the BYU tape. Go watch if, if you if you don't do anything else the rest of this day that you're listening to this this podcast. Go watch Tanner Vallejo versus BYU 2016, and tell me that's not one of the best linebacker games you've seen all season. And, you know, we saw I saw everything that I didn't see from him over the summer was corrected. Now, I didn't just watch one game. I watched several. Uh, but his ability to break down and tackle cleanly and wrap up, square up, bring his feet was was really nice. And then you see, you know, how quick he 
processes and and what he does to yeah, there's the there's the T. You know, the way that he plays through blocks, like he doesn't give a crap what's in his way, man. No, that man. dude is an animal to the football and he and he has the athleticism to back it up. You wish he was maybe carried a little bit more weight. Um, but I don't want it at, not at the sacrifice of of movement skills. Um, he good came, player, man. He came in at the see, combine at two twenty eight. Yeah, you like him in the mid two thirties, I think. But th- I'm fine with it. Yeah, throw throw five pounds on there, sure, and I'll be just sure. fine with. It. I mean, names that are in comparable weight groups to that classification. Uh, Duke Riley from LSU is two thirty one. Uh, Hardy Nickerson Jr. is two thirty six. Uh, Harvey Lange is, uh, I'm sorry, Keith Kelsey was 233. Uh, Ruben Foster, 229. He came into the combine, 229. Uh, Riley, That's true. Riley Bulla, 228. Uh, Jalen Brown from UCLA, 231. So you're seeing a lot of low to mid 230s, and I think that's fine. Like I don't think Ruben Foster, for example, is going to play at 229, but he came in at 229 to run fast before he got kicked out. So I, I think certainly 230 is like a threshold. Uh, he's two pounds off of that big deal. You know, he, he probably had to bulk up a little bit, but even his testing at 228, he didn't necessarily test bad. He ran a 4.6740 yard dash. He had a 33 and a half inch vert. He had a 10 feet, one inch broad jump. Uh, 439 uh, short shuttle was his worst test out of the group, but uh, those other tests, th- those were strong as far as uh, the burst 467 for a linebacker. Uh, you'd like to see a little higher, 228, but at the same time, it's in relative comparison to the rest of the class, that's a good score. Yeah. So let, let me shift gears here because I think there's one topic. I'll be honest, I'm just not comfortable with, and people ask me these questions a lot, and and I'm telling you, I start sweating because I just, I'm I'm not super comfortable. So I want to bring this up with you. People ask me all the time about these running backs and and where they actually get drafted, right? So both you and I are very much not, we don't specialize in forecasting the draft. What I mean by that is predicting where players will go. We're more of evaluators. You know, this is what we think of the players. This is where they should go. Uh, but, you know, inevitably part of what we do is we have to forecast. And so when I think about these backs, you know, look at Leonard Fournette. You know, it, it, everybody, you know, is he at Jacksonville at four? Is that just crazy? Uh, Dalvin Cook with the shoulders, with the off field. You know, the article that I wrote kind of highlighted some of those issues. Is, is he, is he hey, a Joe, Panther? Is he Joe, a where, where can you find that article? For everybody who might not know. Fan Rag Sports. Okay. I uh, just want to make sure everybody knew where they could find that because that was a really good piece. Both the pieces. You did one of the Dore Jackson this past weekend as well. That was really good. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, so what, you know, Dalvin Cook, wh- where does he go with all the things that we consider? Then you look at Alvin Kamara. Josh Norris mocked him 12, 10 to the Bills. You know, is, is Alvin Kamara top 10, top 15 back? Christian McCaffrey, he's the cleanest, right? You know, is he the number one back in this class? Is he sneaking in the top 15? So when we look at these guys, like, how do you sort them, sort them out and actually project where they, where they end up getting drafted? Okay, so when you're, when you're talking about this group, especially this group, you have to look at uh, trying to find uh, 
the three down value guys because the guys that you are guaranteed are never going to leave the football field. I think those are your locks uh, to to be more highly coveted. Now, I will not rule out Fournette to Jacksonville just because it's Jacksonville, right? This is the same team that took Blake Bortles to number three overall. Tom Coughlin now, though. That's a very valid point. So you could see them, what do you think, building in the trenches somewhere? (sighs) That's a that's a Cochran way to go. They, pass they, rushers, you know. Yeah, I mean, pass rushers and and uh, offensive linemen. That inside out approach. Uh, you mm-hmm. saw the Giants do that for a very long time. Um, yeah, I I can't get on board with Fournette at four. Personally. Carolina is Carolina in play for a running back? Uh, no, but it's more because I know who they love at other positions. He's not going to be that person's not going to be there. But. You don't think so? No, no, he's not. No, Jack, he's not getting by Jacksonville. He might not get back San Francisco, uh, Chicago. I there's, just don't. No, there's no way. And uh, we're not going to let the cat out of the bag on this, but yeah. we, we have a scent on who Carolina likes. And um, I would beg to differ. I, I think Carolina's got a good mm. shot at landing him at, at eight. Um, okay. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, Fournette. No, I see. I don't even think Carolina. Um, if I'm looking at the running backs, and I, I have to distinguish. Okay, three down guys. Fournette can block, so he's a three down guy in that regard. But he's not. He's not especially natural catching the ball out of the backfield. Where you look at Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, those are natural pass catchers. They are three down players with the ball in their hands. Um, I could see. You know, maybe Dalvin being a top 10 guy, but now you have to start asking yourself the question, okay, is the league going to cool on Dalvin because of his combine testing? And you start getting into the statistics on uh, players that have tested in that tier of running backs that have gone through. I think um, I think it's spark score, I think it was, that uh, the Seahawks have used for a long time. Uh, Cook came in at like the 10th percentile of running backs over X amount of time window, and like there's never been a first-round running back that's been drafted that low. So um, you, you wonder some of the teams get scared off by something like that. But uh, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, right, because they just went out and spent a butt-ton of money on wide receivers for in free agency class, shining, signing uh, Torrey Smith and um, Alshon Jeffrey to short-term deals. They need corners, uh, But I'm not sure the corners that fit what they want to do unless they're willing to maybe dip a little deeper into the pool and get somebody like Cordrea Tankersley from Clemson, who I think is a perfect fit for them schematically. Um, Unless they want to dip and go get somebody like that, somebody like Cook or McCaffrey would make a ton of sense for them because obviously they invested a ton into getting Carson Wentz. Uh, You saw what this year was like when he was throwing to essentially scrubs, as much as that hurts me to say as a fan of Nelson Aguilar coming out of USC. Uh, thrown to scrubs. No, him and Jordan Matthews both play the slot position as their best wide receiver position. So I think the Eagles, you know, just to get on a side tangent, they have an interesting decision to make as far as what they want to do uh, with Jordan Matthews, whose contract's getting, running up, getting ready to run up because you've got receivers that play the best on the inside. And I think Aguilar would give you more, but his hands aren't as good as Matthews, which is saying something because Matthews' hands aren't that great. So they got a whole bunch of problems there. 
Uh, but the good news is they have boundary guys now. So do you start, do you just really go all in and invest a running back and, and really put the cherry on top for that, that investment around Carson Wentz and give him every chance to be successful? Uh, I think, because I think wide receiver for them is off the table at 14 now. Uh, I, I don't think Corey Davis will make it there. I think Mike Williams might make it there, but he's not the best option at that point. Um, I would rather go with a running back, either Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey, than I would go with one of the corners unless they want to go get their scheme guy in Tankersley. So so here's here's some of my thoughts. I think the Jets at six are a possibility for net. That just seems very Jets-like. Get your bell cow. You don't have a quarterback. Just have some type of focal point for your offense. I, I think that's a possibility. And then I look later into the first round, and, and I look at Detroit, right? Detroit at 21. I know that they probably need to go defense, cornerback, linebacker. Um, but they just built up this offensive line. And who's running behind it? Amir Abdullah? Zach Zenner? Uh, Theoretic? No. That's a possibility. Look at um, uh, Green Bay. Right? Is Ty Montgomery the running back? Uh, that's a possibility. Oakland. Oakland, yeah, but, I'm telling but, but Green Bay's so against every trend that they've ever had in, in draft selection. They drafted Eddie Lacy with the second round, didn't they? In the second round. I, I know. I, and I, something's up in Green Bay, man. I'm telling you. But um, <laughs> I, I think that we're going to see the sweet spot for these running backs more in the 21 to. 29 area with your wild cards being the Jets, Panthers, Eagles, Colts, Redskins. I mean, there are so many different possibilities. I think they find landing spots, but, you know, if... if it's a lot of landmines to navigate through. It, it really is. Like, I mean, it's so confusing for me. And then you think about the depth of the class at running back and, you know... Do you just wait and get one in the second round, like a Kareem Hunt or you know, Joe Mixon? When's the appropriate time to to draft him? And it's it's a really weird class from a forecasting standpoint. Thank God for numerical scoring. Yes, that's right. And um, yeah, let's let's talk about Joe Mixon for a little bit, just because I know ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, I know ooh. we're we're on that hot button now, so we got to be careful. But um, Mixon had his pro day. Do you get a chance to look over his numbers? Damn good. Yeah, two, came in at 6'1", 228, ran 4'4", uh, 21 reps at 225, 35-inch vert, 9 feet, 10-inch on the broad. That's above average. All of those scores are above average for testing. And I know you're cooler on Mixon's film than what I am. You know, I happen to think it's a pretty strong take that I have on his film, that I think his, his on-the-field product is the best running back I've seen in four years with NDT scouting. So, Joe, I'm curious for you, and, and not to get into any of the nonsense that you know we have mm-hmm. to try to blot out and it, just assess the film and what teams have to really account for before they select him, and that's his off-the-field stuff. Uh, I, w- I have a very specific question for you, and I just want to leave it at that. Uh, what is his testing? Because this is something you're introducing this year as a new piece for you. What does his testing do for his assessment for you? Uh, it's, it's it's worth 5% of the grade. So out of a 100-point scale, he can, you know, he's he's going to get probably almost almost all five of those points. So that's going to help him a lot. 
his film's great score for me is um, is still very good. There there are elite traits with Joe Mixon, and he grades in an elite range in terms of his feet, his receiving ability, his elusive agility, balance, and, and very close in toughness and power. Um, my concern with Joe Mixon, and, and it's how we interpret the film, is that I don't see his... I don't see his the way he presses the line of scrimmage as patient. I perceive it as nonchalant. As and I think that as passive and nonchalant, the way that he presses the line of scrimmage. I think that he's trying to do a lot before he gets to the line of scrimmage to manipulate the flow of the defense. And when it's, when, when it's time for him to stick his nose in there and, and, uh, and, and go... You know, I feel like he's he's really trying to 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 gain a, a flow advantage, get guys to overcommit, and then go off of that. So it's a stylistic concern for me, and um, I, I docked him for that. And uh, if that proves to be true, well, then so be it. I mean, I don't see him I don't see him grading out of the second round for me. Um, but you know, when you say things like the best running back you've seen in four years. You know, I, I don't think he's the best running back in this class on tape. So it's a fundamental difference between the way that we're stacking up this running back class. Yeah, that's fine. It's um, you know, it's and that's one of those ones where I don't envy anybody trying to project that one, right? Because that's that's total shot in the dark. You just legitimately do not know when somebody's going to let enough time pass and say, "Now's the time. We got to get him." Oh yeah, from a projection standpoint, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. it's really difficult. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope uh, I hope Mister Owning doesn't ask us to do seven round mock drafts, right? So <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the first round's hard enough. Now, oh, right, writing a let's let's talk about this. I'm glad we brought this up. Writing a mock draft, Lord, it is a thankless burden, and it's enjoyable to come up with the different scenarios and and take the feedback and. Well, especially this time now that you have like finalized scores, you can can kind of look at your board and be a little more honest with what you see versus what you know the league thinks. Um, but the number one rule for writing a mock draft, Joe, it has to be never read the comments, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah! I got hammered, hammered. In the comments section, something along the lines of so-and-so would never take this player in the first round. You should do some homework next time so you don't look so stupid or something like that. And it's just, it's like, in what, imagine I come to your work environment (laughs) and I sit down and that's the kind of feedback that I give you on the work that you do. Like I just I don't understand where all the 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 hatred comes for the NFL mock drafts and, and why people want to be so mean, Joe. I don't, Here's I, it's a mock draft. It's a mock draft. My my last mock draft was February twenty second. Here's two of the comments uh, from mine. Uh, horrible. You know nothing about the Bucks. Cameron Brait proved his worth. It's receiver, running back, or defensive end in the first round for Tampa. And here's the good one. 
Terrible pick for the Raiders, blah, blah, blah. One of the worst mocks all around for every team. Imagine someone gets paid for this crappy mock. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any that, that, that is that hate-filled, but I do have a couple. Um, my last one was immediately after the Combine. And I just listened to John Lynch say how the Combine was going to be a quarterback-centered assessment period for them. And I mocked a quarterback to the San Francisco 49ers, and I got the comment, the Niners will not take a quarterback with the number two pick. Think a little before you post your next article. How long did it take you, Kyle? Seven hours. It takes me seven hours it, to write a mock it, draft. It did not take me seven, but it takes, it takes me more hours than I would care to admit to, to write <laughs> a well-thought-out mock draft. Uh, LOL, this article is lazy. Do some homework next time. You look stupid. And then Troy said, Cam Robinson to Seattle? Are you that stupid to think they would give up a first-round pick on a guy who smokes cannabis and will be (laughs) moving to a state where it is legal to buy? Come on, that is Randy Gregory written all over it. Think, man. Think. Keyboard muscles. Yeah, it's, it's nice to know there's so many tough tough men out there that that know exactly who their team's picking. And I wish they would share it with me so that (laughs) that I could get them right. And I wouldn't look so stupid when I write my mock drafts next time. There's, there's a way to do it. I mean, and I, I love, I welcome those conversations. Hey, you know, if he would have said, Joe, you know, I really think Cameron Brate's the answer for Tampa Bay at tight end. What, what specifically made you think this now? I granted, I wrote, 150 words as to why I thought it was that, but I think there's certain ways that we can actually have fun uh, with those. You don't have to get so hateful. We're real people, you know. Um, we have, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like writing a, a scouting report for a player that you know has a mm-hmm. low hit percentage in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like you catch yourself with a couple traits in, and you're like, man. I, I legitimately have not said any redeeming qualities about this player, and this is a human being. Yeah, you're just taking a dump all over their dreams. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a sobering <laughs> moment to stop, and I, I hope mock draft commenters have that same sobering moment where they stop and think, oh, this is this is a human being that I'm talking to. This, <laughs> this is not oh. just a machine that pumps out simulated picks. Sure. Don't give him too much credit, Kyle. Yeah. But, no, uh, not at all. And that was... This was fun, man. Uh, water cooler Wednesday concept. Uh, just an organic conversation. None of that was why Kyle had no idea what I wanted to bring up. Uh, same, same the other way around. It was just very much uh, five minutes before we recorded. Kyle said, "Hey, let's do this," and we ran with it. So uh, I, I had a fun time, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. Thank you so much for your time. Please subscribe, whatever you're listening to, uh, whether it be iTunes, Audio Boom, Podbean, whatever. Uh, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate your support and keeping track of what we're doing. Leave us a, a rating. Uh, let us know how we're doing. We really appreciate that. And uh, keep track of us on social media. We love to talk uh, football with you on there. Kyle is on Twitter at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. Facebook. We got a Facebook for NDT Scouting. It is facebook.com slash NDT Scouting. Make sure you're keeping track with all that we're doing and all the different ways to do so. Uh, we are going to be back again for you on Friday. So until then, signing off for Kyle Krabs. I'm Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.